Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. At Cub, we say we're your business family because that's exactly what we are. And today I'm catching up with two of Cub's family, our two team members, Alice Wilson, our engagement manager, and Laura Ropers, our brand manager. I introduce them to the world. Often their hard work behind the scenes isn't always known what's going on by a lot of the members and, and people. And I want to make sure they're at the front and everyone knows exactly how important and awesome these two girls are. We had a brilliant conversation. We spoke about Cub services and the development of, of the services. We spoke about uh, the brand and where it's going to go into the future and, and our marketing. Uh, we got to know the girls better. And the key lesson from this episode was, have you ever asked your team, how do you like your role and how can I make it better for you? That's what every business owner should be doing every single month with every single employee or team member, as I like to say. Fuck the word employee. It's a shit word. And that's something that I learned very much with these two women because they completely forged their own path, took ownership over their roles and created not just their roles, but our company. So enjoy the show. And we're live. Today is a very weird episode for me because instead of looking at Laura, our podcast producer and brand manager from uh, across the room, from across the table and behind the cameras, she's sitting next to me as a guest. Laura, how are you? I'm good. A little bit nervous to be honest, but yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? You look great. You look great. And I'm excited to finally let the listeners know who this infamous Laura is behind the (laughs) behind the um, cameras. But we're also sitting here with the Queen of Cub, Miss Alice Wilson, our engagement manager, our head of networking and and probably uh, the most pivotal piece to our uh, service offering. Alice, I know you're feeling a bit nervous. Thank you for having me, Daniel. I never thought I would come on the podcast. About a month ago, I said to the guys, there is absolutely no way I will ever come on the podcast, but here I am. I just want to start by clarifying their nicknames because members will hear me screaming them across the clubhouse and they're probably thinking what's this crazy motherfucker doing but they do actually make sense I call Alice aka San it's because when she first started I started calling her Alessandro that got too long so I shorted to Sandro and eventually it just became San and now she I'm fairly certain her mum calls her that and Laura's name is Loretha, which is a bit weird because it's longer than your actual name and I don't know why I even started calling you Loretha. do you know that? I have no idea, but I don't mind it, to be honest. I really want to focus today on talking about role development and also a sense of belonging because both of you are quite similar. Both of you have come from – well, Laura, you're from Germany. We're going to get into that. Now, Alice came from Adelaide. Neither of you had family here. Both of you came into the company in different roles and both of you paved your own path and and created your own role – that, that got us to where we are today. We wouldn't be where we are today without that. And I really want to explore that and how we actually got that. But guys, I want to, I want to yeah, just start today to let everyone know a bit more about you because I think you guys are a little bit more behind the scenes than some of the boys are who are out there um, um, doing their thing and causing a ruckus and everyone notices them and, and that type of thing. But they couldn't do absolutely anything without uh, without the work you guys do because uh, I actually think you guys are more important. So <laughs> so I want I want the members to, to know a bit more about you because they may not was my point I was trying to get at. San, why don't you give us just a brief 
rundown of where you're from and how you got to Cub. Yeah, sure. So I am from little old Adelaide. I moved to Sydney about two years ago. Um, I actually got the job at Cub through my old boss who I worked for for about four or five years. So he joined, he moved to Melbourne from Adelaide, um, joined Cub. And when I decided I was moving to Sydney and was going to sort of start fresh over here and, and get back into the events world, I um, pretty much the next day, Daniel posted a post on Instagram looking for a community manager, community events manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, my boss sent it to me and then there we go. This is history. Yeah. And the role was very different back then as it was yeah. as it is now. The role was very different. I came on as community manager um, and a lot of that role was actually the, re- the receptionist role as well. Mm. So it was probably a good 60% receptionist and 40% community most, and events. Most, mostly because back then we didn't have enough money to have both a receptionist and a community yes. manager. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this year my roles really changed and developed quite a lot into the engagement manager role. Um, so it's it's changed dramatically, which I'm absolutely loving. And um, yeah. Amazing. And just to clarify, who's a better boss, me or your old boss, <laughs> who's also a member? Um. <laughs> Fuck. He's probably going to hear this yeah, too. He, so you, I mean, but I'm here, which is even worse. So <laughs> who do you want to piss off? The one that's I don't not know. here. I don't know. I need to be very careful what I say here. Laura, give us your um, give us your intro. Sure. So I am from Germany originally. I was born and raised in Germany, and um, basically lived there until I came to Australia. Well, I did go to the States for one year when I was 20 after my high school uh, to work at Disney World and get some language experience and also just some general world experience um, getting away from home. And um, went back to Germany after that and studied fashion journalism and media communication. Was working as an editor on the side. Uh, Really loved that industry at the point, but um, felt like something else was out there for me. So when I finished my studies... I decided to either go to New York or London or Cape Town, but got then given the idea to um, just throw away all those ideas and take a backpack and go to Australia. And even though that didn't sound like me in the first place, I decided to just do something completely different and out of my comfort zone and um, jumped on a plane a few months later. And that was now five years ago. <laughs> the intention was to stay here for four months, but uh, I fell in love with Sydney and um, I found an amazing job that was three and a half years ago now, Cub. And well, tell us how you actually got the job at Cub because it's very similar to how Alice got the job at Cub. True. So I used to work here um, for one and a half years for um, a company. Used to work in in Sydney for one and a half years. Yeah, I worked in Sydney for one and a half years for a luxury boat um, company. And uh, my old boss, he was a member at Cub as well. And uh, one day... I was looking to apply for new jobs and he, because we were good friends as well, he took me to Cub and I was applying for jobs and I was sitting in the lounge and I looked around and I was just like, this place is absolutely stunning. The atmosphere was amazing. The people were nice. Um, There was just ambition in the air. I ended up, um, yeah, applying as a job for a waitress. Two months in, we opened the clubhouse in Melbourne and I saw an opportunity to get from my waitress position to something that's more aligned with what I really want to do with my actual career goals. And um, Daniel took me down to Melbourne. We were went there for two, two or three months. Oh, it's more than that. Um, until we found the stuff for back, yeah, for, for Melbourne. And then I just, from that point, I just Kept worked in marketing and branding. I was in sales for a little bit. I kind of like touched base on all kinds of things, but throughout the whole time I was responsible for the brand. Yeah. And whenever there was a problem or we lost somebody or 
know, I had made a mistake. Laura was always there to Laura's to catch always it. been yeah. that, yeah, that <laughs> safety net for sure. Which is great. And every company should have, a, you know, just the because. Jack of all traits. Yeah, mm. but it's not just that. You, you, you are the owner of the business. The owner of the business goes through horrible times and a lot of shit and a lot of stress and, and a lot of doing things they don't know and don't want to do. And, you know, there was obviously tons of times you didn't enjoy your role. But you did it because it was for the greater good of the company. And then because you did that and you showed how dedicated you were, you ended up in your dream role and you ended up having a role that many people apply for still and we're not even advertising for it. And I just think that's a really cool, a really cool, a really cool story. So I basically stole you both from Cub members. Mm, You did. (laughs) That was kind of like, I mean, I think that the best way to find, you know, team members is through referral because you kind of know that they've got to be like, you trust the person that they're saying, they're almost kind of test. I don't know. I, yeah. I always feel more – I'm fairly certain our entire team, I can't think of one person that did not come through referral except for – I thought of two just then. But they're two of the best and you hired one of them. Mm-hmm. Holly didn't come through referral, did no, she? No, she didn't. And she's basically no. the superstar now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, awesome. Well, let's – I want to focus on a bit of Alice's role now and I want to talk about – our services, because that's very much what you do for Cub. You basically uh, help me create the services and the changes that we make, the improvements we make, implement them and, and, and manage them. So, I guess why should uh, the member? Why are you so important to this company? You know, why 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 are the members so fortunate to have you? Oh, well, I think they're fortunate to have the whole team, but um, I guess my role as the engagement manager is I look after the services for the members. So our events and what whatever we're offering them, um, yeah, I, I manage and, and work with the team. 100%. Like what do you think it is? Why is our service so much better than our competition? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I've got my own thoughts on it, but I'm not as involved in in the services as you are. And you see what the members like and and what they gain out of it probably even a bit more than I do. I guess I just want why, what do you think we do that's that's – it's different or better. Yeah, I think to be honest, our competition's old and boring. Yeah, um, we're fun <laughs> I and agree. modern. Um, so yeah, we try and make everything we do fun, and I guess our goal is for our members to become friends because yep. we, you know, we understand that if you like someone, you're more likely to go out of your way to help them. So I actually think that's the ethos of, of yeah. The cut. That's kind of what we base everything on. If you like, if you're friends with someone, you're going to go out of your way to help them. If you're not friends, you might help them when you're in a session or in a room, but you're not going to do it after. And I think that's what Alice has done so well. She's actually created a every engagement to be both enjoyable, like saying fun, both enjoyable, but also valuable for, for, for themselves or their business. Yeah, I agree. And I think we developed our new service that we, you know, the new, our new um, networking service. It's based on becoming friends and, and getting to know each other and, and, and creating those bonds together. So, look, I'd say that's that's a difference. We, you know, we don't stick members in groups for a year and they're with the same group of 10 to 12 people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in groups every every season. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're continually meeting which new is people. Three, which is three times three a year. Three times yeah. a year, yep. They're continually meeting new people but they're meeting the same people in, uh, enough times to actually create the bonds yeah. and relationships with them. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I also like what you said, the fact that we don't keep members in the same group all year, it's such a big value add because really if you stayed in the same group, you'd only meet 10 people in a year. But because we do three groups, you meet a minimum, you have the opportunity to build valuable relationships with a minimum of 30 other accomplished leaders in a year. 30 is a huge amount. 
Yeah. I, I can't even think of 30 friends I have. Mm-hmm. Like 30 mm-hmm. is a big number. Yeah, it is. And 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 also if you don't like one of your group, you know, yeah, you got two more. Don't worry and, about it. If and you, we've also got so many other events on top of that that mm. people can create relationships from as well. So if you don't like, well, you know, or if you're not, if you can't commit to a season, um, you've got, you know, another probably six to sometimes ten events a week you can jump on and be a part of. It's a big amount of events. Yeah? I think very important to mention as well um, regarding the core groups is the fact that you and the membership directors or in Melbourne, Holly and the membership directors are literally sitting down for hours and days to form those groups, to put them together, piece them together based on what they're interested in, not just what their business industry is, but more so what the knowledge is they want to gain, what kind of personality types they are. So literally to find perfect matches, you work so hard to make the, those groups perfect and to guarantee each and every one of them finds at least one really good friend in that group, but most likely to have at least four or five. Well, I mean, Laura made two good points there that I love. The fact that um, if a member joins Cub, they don't just go into the into a group, they don't just get placed in a group and it's, you know, that's a group that's looking for people or whatever it is. If a member joins Cub, they've got the team who inducts them, understands them, knows their personality, which is really important, not just their business size, but their personality. To Alice's point, we want them to, yeah, bond, meet each other, become friends. And personality plays a huge role in that. So the fact that we play, we create groups, we create the group, oh, Maybe not me, you and me and Laura, but <laughs> Alice, Holly, and the rest, the rest of the team. The fact that they sit down for the week, or how, how long does it normally take to, to do the group for the entire club? To for the entire club, look, you, a couple of full days, and yeah. then you know we we're doing another week couple or two. week or two follow ups yeah. to tr- try and like perfect. to actually finalize and perfect it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then so there's people who drop in, yeah. or people who drop out, yeah. and yeah. it's just like a constant improvement of those groups mm-hmm. until it actually starts. It's a lot of admin, and the reason that I reckon that took so long to get to Cub that service because really we only started this just under two years ago that that particular service, which has been the best thing we've done. The reason that is is because a I'm very bad at organization and and um, Alice, can you put your phone on Sorry, top of your airplane? Sorry, I just mode, got a. Just she got never a, puts her phone away. So weird. But I just podcast. got. I just got a really good. Um, I just got a good. Oh, message. we got another renewal yes, from a great did. member. That's his fourth year oh, renewing now. That's fantastic. Okay, now can you put your phone yeah, okay, on I'll put airplane it on mode? Yeah. Sorry, Anthony um, was very excited to let me know. Yeah. <laughs> Tried calling you. Good, good on him. Um, um, where was I? Yeah. Anyway, the fact that we choose the groups is so important. Right, the member knows that we're choosing it based on that member, and it's not just your company, right? It's also your character, your personality, which is super cool. And the other thing um, um, that you said is that they don't need to get along. Like members sometimes feel like they should get everyone in their group should be perfect. That everyone in their group they should just magically fall in love with. It's a business fit. It's a personal fit. That's just not the way humans work, right? The reason there's ten of them is because we'd hope that you build really strong value relationships with at least three. You know right. what I mean? You're not going to love 10 people. Again, you don't have 10 best friends. It's very rare. Alice kind of does, I reckon, but <laughs> I've got five. most people, <laughs> the sixth and seventh are going to be very, you know, you're really, really, you're going to be offending a lot of people in this podcast. Your old boss, your, your second so best friend. But that's really important. Members should, you, at Cub, members grow their core network, which is the people that they really bond with. They're your friends, I guess. But then there's also your extended network, your cub network, which are people that will still help you if need be, people that you know, 
but you probably just aren't super close with them. And so there's kind of two rings of a network that, that grows through the club. And I, I think it's important that members look at it like that. You know, you can't just get along with everyone. I don't like everyone. I barely like anyone. You know what I mean? So you've got to find the people that you love and, and Cub just gives you the opportunity to find those people. And um, I guess what are some of the improvements you think well, – What's you know what? What's something we could improve with Core currently? Something that we can improve – or not just Core but with the services in general. What do you reckon? The one thing I think we can improve on um, – so we've had, we've had this app which I think since I started – <laughs> saying it's coming next six weeks. We are nearly at the end of this app um, and this is going to change our lives. It's going to change our members' lives. But we thought we were ready, what, two months ago and then we realised... Didn't oh, have an Android we version. We didn't have an Android <laughs> version. We just thought, okay, that's... Oh, what you build morons. an app, they... They just build a fucking you app. just build the app. It will just work anywhere. Yeah. So um, I, I would say our biggest improvement, which is coming and we are working on, but is going to be technology for members to connect, technology for members to book events, technology for members to book meeting rooms and and basically just also taking out the manual side for us so we have more time to then, you know, work on everything else that we need to do. Which is honestly I think the most important thing um, is making it better for the team. Yeah. Like every business owner should really be looking at how can I make the team's life better. Mm-hmm more efficient, less time, easier work. Because, I mean, the happier everyone is and the more time they have, they can do things that they – they can do the things they like rather than things they don't like. Mm-hmm. For example, you hate the admin, don't you? No, you don't hate I admin. don't hate it. No, I don't hate it at all. Um, last year, though, I just – it would take up 80% of my time and I couldn't do anything else. So I just – it's just the time factor. I don't mind it. Sometimes it's great just, you know – Doing admin and you don't even need to think of anything because it just happens naturally. Yeah, but and, um, but see what happened once we did that and we improved the admin side, right? It, it, that's when we brought in Tara. For that's example. when we brought in Tara. Yep. And I don't want to talk to how that all, I want to talk to you about how that all happened, but but once we improved that, that's when our yeah, network. Me and you started working yeah. together every day, and then that's basically how we got our retention to exactly where we want it. How we how we how we're now doubling in size every year. If, if not more, we're going to more than double uh, I- I- this year. So, so it just it's just proof to the pudding that if you can make your team's life better and more efficient and get them to focus on the things that they want to do, then they're probably going to produce something incredible, which is exactly what you did. And <laughs> but and can you not bang your glass, please? Sorry. But um, <laughs> she's literally dropped it. Um, and I'll, let's talk about when we realised that you wanted to, your role to change because yeah. because I think it's a really important lesson. It was a huge lesson for me and I told you the other day on the phone, you were the one who kind of started me in actually wanting to improve the role of every team member and, and, and work with them on how to do that. It was because of you because no one else had ever said anything to me before. And why don't you describe what we're doing and, and, and what you said and, and kind of what happened? Yeah, so we had a one-on-one. I'm assuming it was yeah. a one-on-one. Yeah, it we was. called it then back back then and um, Daniel asked what my job satisfaction was out of 10. Look, I can't remember exactly what I answered but it was six. Six. (laughs) And that was quite a shock to him. Um, But I guess for me in in the role I was doing, I came on as a community manager, you know, 60% of my time was taken up as a receptionist role and, look, I had done reception seven years ago so I felt like I was taking a few steps backwards 
Now I look at it and it was actually a big blessing that I did that because I could really understand the members and the business a lot better. Um, but, yeah, so I was really probably about, you know, if something didn't change, I was probably about two two or three months away, of, you know, moving on. I, I'm not going to lie, I was probably looking at Seek at the time and, you know, I was sort of exploring my options because I just thought That's I That's very scary. Imagine <laughs> if we lost you. That would have sucked. Um, but, yeah, so I, I had an open, honest conversation with Daniel and and then everything changed from there. I guess you we started. Well, remember I said, yeah, well, remember I was a bit taken back. I was like, oh, shit. Because I just assumed everyone liked to roll. And I reckon some, a lot of business owners just kind of think that. But, mm. but I, I mean, a big lesson to me was actually asking, hey, are you happy with your role? And then ever since then, I ask every single one-on-one session with every single team member, which is every single month, I ask, how can I make your role better? How, are you happy? And, and how can I make it better? Yeah. And when you keep asking how you can make people's role better, it's amazing what happens in just a year's time with, with, with a monthly uh, one-on-one the role completely changes to being this ideal role for that person. That person's satisfaction goes up. They're, they're doing the things that they love. They've got more time. Like, I, and you told me that. So I, I just want – the reason I want to say that story was not because I wanted everyone to know that Alice was about to leave us at one point, but, but, which, but it's important that she, that she mentioned that because – do you, how much do you love your role now? I love my job now. I absolutely love it. I'm so glad I didn't leave. I yeah. Yeah, and, and that wouldn't have happened unless you unless you were mm. honest, which is mm. both a lesson for the business owner and also for for their team. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess with the service with the service offerings, just to circle back, we've spoken about core and kind of how and why we did it. I just did want to mention why it's core. Why we do knowledge opportunity and relationships, why KOR core and why this why each session is one of those things. And I think it's important for the members to know and as well as the non-members, but but we looked at how can a network benefit you? It benefits you if I had a great network, how what did, what value does it give me? And it gives me three things. A, if you're surrounded by a lot of smart people, they're kind of like your brain's trust. You've got a huge amount of knowledge that you can leverage. The knowledge of the group of the club is far greater than that of any one member. The second thing is, well, hey, if I'm surrounded by a lot of business people, I'm going to find a lot of opportunities, whether it be with them or the business or their networks. You know, if they're thinking about me, I'm going to probably find some business. And that could be for your business or investment opportunity, whatever it is, right? And third and finally, I'm going to make friends with people in my position, relationships. Often I can't talk to my family about things to do with business. I don't want to stress them out. I don't want to talk to my friends because they may not be in the same position and I sound like a Feel, feel weird about it. And I'm looking for people to relate to and these relationships. And we literally built that. We built the menu, built the service around that. And you can see the incredible effect it has on the entire community um, now. So uh, I think that's a really important point to say. I think one of the most important things that you do is you actually measure the engagement of the members. That's something I probably most members don't even know about. Yeah. The fact that you measure their engagement. We know when they're not engaged and we we catch them, we take them to lunch or we do whatever. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. So at the start of this year we developed a rating, I guess a, a rating, rating system. system. Yeah, it is a rating system. A rating system and um, I guess a engagement measure, measurement system for our members. So we've got key metrics that we are looking for for our members and how often we want them to be engaged um, and, you know, we're also watching if they're becoming unengaged and why, what the reason for that is. They're too far. They've had a bad experience. Yeah. They don't like Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a couple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and and obviously we we try and capture them back. So now we actually have a system in place to to capture people before it's you know their membership's done with and, and they're could out you, the door. Could you use the word less forceful than capture? But Sorry, we try to save them, and bring them value. We try to save them, yeah, and bring them value. That's exactly what we try and do. So now we are actually measuring, and we're watching all the time. And um, I think the point is that the reason that's so important is that we that when a member joins, they don't just pay and get thrown into a system and then that's it, they've forgotten about, we hope they go through it. That's not what we're doing. You're literally managing the community managers now, which I think is important as engagement manager, you're above the, you, 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 you've, you've hired the, both co- the current community manager and you manage them, which is a tremendous feat for you and, and more role progression. But, but um, you're make, we're actually making sure the member is engaged because if you are not engaged, you will not get value. Yeah. And, and what we do is one of our, our work team principles is ownership. We take ownership over every part of our company, including member engagements, which a lot of members will say, oh, it's not your fault. I was really busy. I can't get, you know, I haven't been able to get engaged. That is our fault because at the end of the day, Cub won't make money if all of you are too busy to come and you're all busy people because you're all own businesses. So we take ownership over the engagement and we, we, we make sure you get value and we make sure you don't drop off. And I think that's a, a very important thing. A lot of members think every year at Cubs the same, or they obviously don't think that when they're going through it, but, but before they're at the start of their first year, you might think every year at Cubs the same or, or uh, things like that, but it's actually not the case. And because me and the team um, have – you know, we've witnessed now five years of five years of membership lifecycle. We're actually able to see that, you know, that there's, there's three different stages in your membership that um, uh, that that you'll experience in in your five years in membership. And and in five years, you become a lifetime member anyway. So you kind of come become like an alumni, and you've got the best network in the world. You've utilized that network, and it's all amazing. But but really, it's not always. I mean, you've got to work to that. No sun? Like yeah, the- definitely. I think, you know, members come in their first year. The first year is about getting comfortable, understanding the culture of the club. You you meet a few people, you start creating relationships and bonds, you get to know the team. But it's really when you get to the second and third year that, you, you know, you're creating some really amazing relationships. and um, Your network blows up. Your network, yeah, just, yeah, completely blows up. By the end of your third year, you should be able to say that it would be impossible for me to have a network this good if I had not joined Cub. Impossible. On, and not just that, but I've gotten the three pillars of value from my network that networks give you, which is I've made great friendships I've, and relationships. I have um, obtained knowledge that I that has helped me in my journey and I have found some great business opportunities. So that's the end of the third year. So by the fourth and the fifth, like, yeah, I agree. What you're saying yeah. is it's not so much I need to grow my network anymore. You've already got a great network. It's more now... Uh, well, A, you become what's known as a, a, a long-standing member, which means you get special services and treatments. You see it in their thing. They're normally slightly less engaged, aren't they? They're slightly less engaged, but they're still a huge part of the community. You, you know, you're looked at as a head of your area of expertise in the club. Um, you're a go-to for us. And you're also, you're just this, you're part of the family, probably come to a lot more social events than, than anything yes, else. Yes, they're more engaged yeah, in the social. They're definitely more engaged in the social. and Because um, they realised how that social actually leads to yeah. business connections as well. Mm-hmm. True, but I also think that it's because the, the, the core, core grows your network. That's what it does. They're sometimes not looking to grow it anymore. They just want to enjoy themselves with with really good people because they've already got that great network. And that's why I reckon they love the, the – and also in the fourth and the fifth year, they're getting more value. Without a doubt, they get more value in the fourth and fifth than any of the other years. 
but their network grows the most in the second and the third. Mm. And it is likely that if, if a member's asking to be referred to someone for a service or they want a service, we will likely go to these longstanding members. We know how amazing they are, what they're going to do when we're, you know, we'll happily refer them on. Yeah, and they're in the top of our mind. And Yeah, the yeah top that, of our that's mind. That's the other thing. Mm. Um, I think that life cycle is really important. We never say that to members. We need to start telling people that in their induction. We actually need to include that in the induction. Laura, in the induction booklet for the members, we need to put that. We need to start saying it at the welcome evening. We need to start promoting the life cycle of a member, and and um, so people need to know that you know it evolves. Because every time I do renewal meetings, when I when I catch up with members for for them in order to find out how their year was, um, they always say this year was better than last year. It, it, it does that every year. The second year was better than the first. Third was better than the second. Yeah, fourth was better than the third. Like they always say, it's better and better and better and better. And I say, why? What value did you get this year? And they tell me, and that's really how. Yeah, and Alice is normally sitting sitting with me when we do that, and that, that's how we we kind of discovered the the five year life cycle, and, and and we need to promote that more anyway. We need to make sure. Heading to you, Laura, I want to talk about um, the brand a bit because our brand is a very odd brand in regards to um, members' clubs, leadership communities, and also our brand has had a lot of issues in the past, um, particularly because we had to educate the market on what a members' club is or can be, I guess, and what we actually are because we're not really a members club in in the business model sense that typical members clubs are. So why do you think our brand – because we're – I mean, our brand's big. We've been around five years and it would be hard to find business owners that don't know CUP, yeah. right? And, but why – Not just business owners, yeah, generally anybody people, who's in touch with yeah. Aspirational people. And I guess why do you think that is? Why do you think our brand is different to uh, typical leadership communities or – or, or, you know, members clubs? I think you have to, first of all, we have to split it in different sectors. So if we start with the brand identity, which is the style that we have, the look that we have, the look that the brand has, we are a very sexy modern brand. Um, it's with our colors, with just black, white and red. We um, keep things very simple and sleek. Our designs, our websites, it's all warm colors, but um, still very, very sleek and straight. And um, I think that's already a big one because it's just we're not we're not bullshitting in anything that we do, and I feel like our brand represents that really well. Well, I like that you said sexy because obviously I think Cub's pretty sexy. But but you know when I was when I was um, thinking of Cub when I was ki- a kid, <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to think of something really sexy, like a business that's really cool. Like you know, you you're so young, you want to do something cool. It's like you know, like a members club for all these successful people like that sounds sexy in your head when you you know so anyway I like they use that word but and it's true and I think the important point to that is the fact that we don't look like an old school members club we don't look like a typical corporate leadership group we don't look how they look and the fact that you said modern and sexy even I know it's a bit of a weird word to say for the brand but the fact that you said that and I hear a lot of people say that is it shows that we accidentally because we did not plan this we accidentally kind of forged a new path in an in an industry a new face to an industry we made it modern you know and our brand almost like the cub or the logo almost looks like a high-end fashion brand yeah. which we, it kind of looks like tom ford actually which we did play with when we when we were looking at and, and what i like about that is that well a it looks different to any of our competition not that we have too much but what people would relate to us in and um, like like similar types of stuff. Um, but not just that, but it looks luxury then. And that's important because our brand is a success brand. 
it's a brand for successful people. It's a brand where people become more successful. It, and it says that. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, and that's just a look, right? Um, and why do you think it's gotten out there? Because we don't mar- we we've done zero market. We've spent zero money on marketing this year. Yeah. And but our brand gets out there. How? What, what do you do? What are you getting everyone to do? You know? So I think it's been a bit of a development over the years um, on, as of how we branded ourselves. Um, I think a big one for us was to realize that branding goes not just into the advertisement and on the website. It's also everything else that we do. It's when you come into the clubhouse, the way um, our team is welcoming you, that is uh, part of our brand. It is the way we speak to people. It is our emails that we send. It's everything that we post on LinkedIn, everything that you can anywhere see from Cub, that is our branding. And okay. we are aware of that now. And what we do is um, we don't just put out our name and say we are we are Australia's best members club for entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. even though we are. <laughs> we provide knowledge, for example. Okay, one example, great example this year is a podcast. We started the podcast because of COVID. We were thinking about it for a while, but COVID was kind of the last thing that kicked our ass to actually start it. And um, we did that because we wanted to provide knowledge, not just to our members, but to everybody out there, just to provide. We wanted to support to Australian some- entrepreneurs in a difficult exactly. time is what we wanted to do. Exactly. And that's what our brand is, right? That's what we're here for. Our whole mission is to improve the entrepreneurial journey. Of course, that that's mainly for our members, but we want to have that for everybody in Australia, for every Aussie entrepreneur. And I, I like what you said. It's we, we just do anything to support the mission of our brand. That, that is a part of the brand. I want to get back to what you were saying. You were saying oh, our brand is how we speak and the team how we look. Not physically, but perhaps how you dress. It's like a, a sports team will wear the same uniform. Yeah. I think our how team, you, dre- you guys almost look identical uh, at the moment. You're both wearing black. But, <laughs> but uh, the team does dress very kind of similar. I even reckon Tara started dressing more cub lately. Every time yeah. I see her, I'm like, man, you look chic. <laughs> Yeah, Don't you reckon? Right. Yeah. But it, it, to those points and the way we speak, we speak to members like family. We're often, obviously not now with COVID, we're not allowed to hug anyone, but really hugs are very common in the clubhouse. Don't you think? Like there's a lot of hugging between yeah. members, between team. Like, um, It's a family feel. Because it's yeah. a family feel. And and um, even to the point like when when people walk in, like Everyone stands up or whoever's there will stand up and greet them. And I tell Tara, it's like when you go to your grandmother's house. They're so excited you're there. They want to do anything for you. You know, That's how members should feel. They should feel special. Like, oh, like I used to say, it should be like Justin Bieber just walked in. You've got to freak out. You've got to be amazing. You know, you've got to feel really special. Everyone's going to laugh at me about that Justin Bieber thing now. But anyway. <laughs> um, and and that- how have we gotten the brand out there? Because we have not spent huge amounts of money on marketing. So what have we done? So I think- or What have uh, you done? Sorry. Our, well, you know, it's a it's a team it's a team effort for sure. I think the biggest, or definitely the biggest tool that we have is LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn doesn't just mean our company page; it mainly actually means the team team profiles. Anthony, Calvin, Jordan, Hugh—they're all posting um, not just the content that we put out there, like the podcast or the testimonials. They're posting about new members joining. They're welcoming people into the club. They're highlighting success stories of members they don't do it for the purpose of advertising us they're doing it for the purpose of celebrating cub and the community of cub and um that is obviously seen by other people celebrating the members yeah celebrating the mm. members the, everything that is cub right so well, yeah just, I, I think to your point that, and why that's such an important point is that we looked at the competition and we said what do we have that 
that others don't have. And we've got a big team in comparison, in compared to our traditional competition. Not just that we have a big team, it means that we, and we've also got quite a youthful team. Our, our team is um, all around their 30s, which is not necessarily why it's good or, or that itself isn't even necessarily a good thing. It actually has some disadvantages. But my point was that it's a modern team. We use the technology, we use it, we know it well. And a large part of our marketing has been utilising both those assets, utilising our team. It's been making each of us do the marketing. It's free. It builds the team's profile and allows us to celebrate, yeah, like you're saying, the community and show what we do, which is a very big education piece. If someone doesn't know about Cub, it can't be like uh, Cub is a digital marketing agency. If I go meet another digital marketing agency, I know what they do. There's no other Cub. So if people – if you say, oh – there's a members club for entrepreneurs. Okay, yeah, that's great. That's what it is, but I don't know what the fuck it does. You know, but when you follow us on LinkedIn, you'll see what we do. We post every day what's going on. And members and potential members and business owners say, wow, that's what they do. They do things like that. And, and, that's, even, and, and that's who's there. Look at all these incredible people. And even members see Anthony posting, for example, for a couple of weeks ago about Zane McIntyre, who also was on the podcast before, um, who I believe just sold... His company for lots and lots of money. Correct. And um, we had other members reaching I out. I love that guy. Because they would have liked to just speak to him or even people just congratulating him. Um, it's just, yeah, just putting stuff out there that we do, that our members do and um, sharing Cub with the world organically. Um, I think we that's had, a big one I was us. talking to Jess. Uh, to the listeners, Jess is our new uh, head of marketing. She starts actually on Monday and she's going to be with Laura basically helping – uh, ensuring Cub can expand across across the nation much, much more. And um, I was talking to her on the phone yesterday and she was saying that members reached out to her on LinkedIn hmm. and was like, oh, I was saying, oh, I'm so excited that you're starting a Cub, so excited to meet you. Amazing. Yeah, because in my, mon- After your email in my Monday. Monday email, I mentioned hmm. her and so they looked her up. and They, they looked her up. That's yeah. amazing. Isn't that funny? It just shows you how tight the community is. And I, I also think that and uh, something we do quite well as far as branding goes is that we don't treat Cubs not a company, right? It is a company in that we need to make money because if we make money, we can grow and serve more people and we can get paid more, which is important. But yes. in our communication to the members, we communicate, we're a club, which we're a community, which is the most important thing. And like the fact that we send out, so uh, when COVID happened, we wanted to increase our communication and to, towards the members to just make sure they knew we had us, uh, they had our support and, and um, me and Alice started sending out a Monday email. So from, from, from me, Alice just checks it because I'm dyslexic and, and, and make sure that the right things are in there. But, but we send out a Monday email every single Monday to, to, our, to our members. From me personally, it's not, it, does, it doesn't look like um, a HubSpot, not, not a HubSpot, a MailChimp email. And that it's, not a, it's not an EDM newsletter. No, yeah, it's not an EDM. Mm. It's just a, I write it on Monday. Uh, me and Alice normally write it together. And we send it out. And, and that weekly communication from, you know, the head of the club, just tell, updating members on what's happening, what, what we're doing, where, where my head's at, where I think we're going to be expanding next. I think that's an incredible mark that, – that is enforcing the brand. And, and I don't know if that's relevant for all businesses, if every business needs, you know, to be sending out every client for a seat from their CEO to the client, but definitely it could be for some. And for, for ours, I think it's, it's, it's definitely relevant. And I, I think that was another really good lesson this year and that was a really great – part on, on our branding and the podcast the podcast is new 
You know, the podcast is something we, like you said, we started because of COVID. I think the podcast has been the best thing we've ever done for the brand. It basically is showing off who our members are and allowing listeners to get value from them. And not just that, but everyone that comes on this show always says to me after so many people reach, so many members typically reached out to them, like wanting to work with them or wanting to meet or catch up. And so it's working for the, for the guests as well, which is so incredible. But for us, we've never done anything that has showcased how incredible the club is before. And because all the members are saying how nice, how good the club is when they're on the podcast as well, which, which is really cool. It's really special. And, and that was something Laura's done single-handedly. It's been an, it's been an adventure for sure. I remember when we started it and we, that was just before we went into lockdown and um, we had no idea how to do a podcast. We got the equipment. We're like, let's just fucking do this somehow. Mm. I think you guys were racing around trying to get the equipment before we thought everything was going to shut for COVID. Yeah. Like, That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. And I, then we pumped out two episodes a week, which was a lot. I, I, like I remember I had no idea how to edit a podcast or how to put it out there or anything. So do the you know first, how to do it now? Kind of. <laughs> if anyone is listening right now, I feel like it worked yeah well, a lot of people <laughs> listen so it definitely exactly. does exactly um so yeah i remember the first few weeks of um covid lockdown i'm just sitting at my desk and just trying to work this shit out and editing and going over it again and uh, you were living at the club weren't you i was not at the clubhouse i was living at an apartment that we had from in the, the same club, building in the, the same building um we used it as an office before COVID hit and then when COVID started and I was living in an apartment back then with two friends and it was just too much for a lockdown. Like three, like three, three girls, three, yeah, that also, but three girls living in one house, working from home, it was just impossible. So you gave me an apartment to stay over the time. Yeah. I just think it's been incredible. So, and you know what though, we've always had, issues with our brand at the same time. Our brands have almost been very controversial and which I kind of like, but um, at the start we were like when we were doing our Facebook ads, which worked for us, we made lots of money from Facebook, but it also got us a lot of backlash because there were these, these social media trolls that they comment things they don't even understand. And, and if people knew what they were commenting on. There's a really great example of an ad that really had a great little backlash for us. That was after I just started working at Cub. Um, we had an ad that was showing, it was an image from our Melbourne Cub event at the clubhouse. And one of our members, he would have been approximately in his 50s, uh, attractive man. He uh, brought his two daughters to the event because at Cub, we are a family. We encourage people to bring family and friends to events that are open for, for family and friends. So um, yeah, he brought his daughters. Um, there's a photo of them in front of the media wall. We used it as an ad because it was a great photo. It showed family, it showed community. It was a nice looking photo. Obviously you want to have something that looks aesthetic as well. Beautiful people, works perfect. The amount of comments we got with and quoting things like gold diggers and- Gentlemen's oh, club. Is, yeah, that's what this club is about. Yeah, exactly. It was horrendous. Dirty just, old man. And it's just, people just don't know. People just comment and jump into conclusions straight away. And it, I think in the beginning our messaging was confused in general because we were more selling luxury or- more promoting luxury rather than belonging, which is what we are doing now. And we were definitely promoting more social because that's all we had yeah. as a service back then. We didn't have the structures and systems we have now, but yeah, yeah so, I agree. Yeah, like a few images like that of images of our members, female members on boats 
were not really popular back then, apparently, because just because they're a female, even though they own million dollar companies, because they're a female and they're on a boat, it was automatically a sexist or yeah. an inappropriate You've got to be a hooker. Yeah. It's basically what people, they didn't say like, well, I'm fairly certain some comments were that. Yeah. But the reason I say so bluntly is because it sounds so rude. Yeah. And yeah. it is so rude when people write things like that. Just because you're a females. woman it was mainly and you're females on a boat, that means you females. can't pay for the boat because you don't have, you're a woman, you can't own a business. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And the sad thing it was mostly women writing it. Yeah. And I think these people will need to be arrested. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. They sh you should be arrested yeah. because all you're doing is, is, is disencouraging. Um, it's, it, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's not even wrong to us. We made the most money from those ads because the traction Facebook got boosted the ad even more, drove more attention to it, and we made heaps of money. And I kept them up even though it was bad for them because we were making money. And back then we needed it. But It wasn't but attention. It's bad for other – for example, if I was a businesswoman – and I saw people writing these type of things, I would think, oh, maybe I can't. Maybe, you know, it would, it would make me not want to be on a boat or, or think that I could have success because the fact that all these people are thinking that, oh, it's not me that has, has done this, you know, it, it's kind of acting, it's preventing people from thinking it's possible for them to be successful just because of whatever it is. It, it's dis In these cases, it was obviously for, for women, but it, it's disencouraging. And we want yeah. more entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs create jobs and jobs create taxes. Taxes pay for everyone's shit so, and provide goods and services to our community. So, so those people should all be arrested. When I become prime minister, <laughs> we're true, or, or dictator, whichever I can do, um, that those people will be arrested. Yeah, well, we, yeah. yeah, we definitely made a big development in that department as well, improvements in the way we advertise. We are less confused now as in what we want to put out there and we also know better what the brand actually is and um, I think it shows in the content that we put out there now that it's all about belonging and relationships and um, the success that comes from it rather than the ultimate end success that we used to promote more yeah true true and also we we say who the people are now yeah so so people can say okay that's that person there in that company wow that's pretty cool yeah whereas before we didn't it was just hey here's a nice photo of yeah. something special. It's more about the people now. It's more about the people because we obviously realize that everything we care about is the people and that's yeah. what we do all this for. Amazing. Now, I remember all those times. But, um, okay, now to wrap up, I want to do two things. First thing I want to do is I want to talk about role ownership because it's something that uh, is most prevalent with you two in that you've both created your roles um, and – it's also something I think as a company we do quite well. We've actually never successfully hired someone for a specific <laughs> role and, or, until, until the core team was there. Before that, we had never been able to hire someone for a specific role. What we ended up doing was we found people that were great, that fitted carbon the culture, and then they just created a role like you, Alice. You, you almost created three roles. You know, you, you perfected the, the – the uh, community host role, which is the front desk, the one that hosts the clubhouse. You then moved and perfected the community manager role. You then, again, promoted yourself because we do that here at Cup <laughs> and, and became the engagement manager, hired the community managers and the community hosts and now manage all of them. And, and I think to your point, what you said before is it was a blessing that you started in the role you didn't like because you built the entire service arm of the company yourself and you had ownership over that. Um, um, and I don't really know where I'm going to lead and ask you a question on that because I kind of explained it. But I guess would you have any thoughts on it or, or, or things that, that um, 
Did you like guess, that you did that? Yeah, it, I think f- we're very lucky at Cub. We've got um, you, Daniel, that allows us the autonomy to to do that. We're not scared to make a mistake. Obviously, we don't want to make, make a mistake twice, but, you know, we're not scared to do that. You're not over our backs micromanaging us. You give us the freedom. You give us the support that we need. So we're very lucky that we are comfortable enough to to go and try new things to, to I guess, develop our own roles and develop um, – as people as well, and and, to, and, to, and to develop the co- the company and the company, yeah, yeah. Like the service part of the company is yours. Everyone knows that. We work together on it, and I'll create ideas and things that I think are going to be innovations. But you run that whole, you run all those people that are involved in that, and you run the you run it. And I think you have ownership of that. And Laura has full ownership over the brand. Again, I work with Laura on the brand. Laura asked me questions about the brand. And yes, as the owner, of course, I'm going to know a lot of things about both and have a deep understanding because it's really all I think about. But I don't, I, I don't own that part. I, I'm not responsible for it. That each team member is, and, and I think they're saying as a team we do quite well. Everyone's the boss of them. Everyone's yeah. the boss of themselves in their role. I think a big one on ownership is um, that it has to be earned a little bit as well. Like you, you start off having to voice yourself. You have to start, for example, what Alice did. That she came to you and she said, "Look, I'm not happy with my role." But she also said, this is what I can do and this is what I want to do and let me do this and then it's going to be better. And so you followed on what she was suggesting, what encouraged her to take more ownership of everything that she did. Well, I think also because I always say whenever any of, any, uh, of you say, hey, I'm going to do this, I never say no unless we've done it before and it doesn't work and I'll explain why. But I will say, okay, that's fine. Do, you can do whatever you want. It's, it's your thing. But remember, you're responsible. If it doesn't work, well, you have to own that. You have to own that too. So, are you sure you want to do it? Yeah, I want to do it. Well, that's fine. And, and I think that shows respect from the owner to the team, from the or for whatever you want to call the leader to the team. And it also gives the team more confidence because, like, well, I, I have the freedom to do this. And and because they've taken ownership over it, they're going to make sure it works, or at least try their best to make sure it works. I think it's really good. I think there's something a lot of business owners. Can do and particularly for us, it's relevant because we're an entrepreneurial company. I'm a bad manager, um, and you're not a bad manager. Business-wise, I reckon I am. Personal, like on your personal lives, I feel like I'm pretty good. Structure-wise, maybe a bad manager, but yeah. not as a people manager. Well, you're like a people manager. I feel like that's why me and Alice work so well together. It's because the company operates. She, Alice essentially operates the, the business, the service, the service side of the business anyway, which is. The Which main part. Three, yeah, it's at least two, three quarters of the business and I don't <laughs> do that. So, no, you're really the brains. I'm just the implementer or whatever. But, but it's interesting <laughs> because a lot of owners, a lot of members will be listening to this thinking I have that, I have that person, that person that or it might be my business partner or it might be someone in the company but I've got that and I think you need to know what you're good at, what you're bad at and as a business owner you need to sit there, what am I bad at? I need to find people that are that are good at what I'm bad at and, and, and work with them and give them the freedom and, and we got lucky I got lucky with you because um, that, that, that's just what happens. So I think that's a good lesson too. I think generally for business owners, specifically if the teams are smaller, um, it's really, really important to always keep an eye out on what the additional skills of some of the team members could be. For example, you're hired for a certain position and um, you realize that person has a lot of skills in something that she's normally not doing or he's normally not doing giving that person the space to actually to do more than they were employed as 
um, gives them the opportunity to grow. Yeah. And maybe you're going to find out that that is an asset that you needed in your company that you didn't even know that you needed. Well, that happened to you and Basically. also... Both of us. Uh, no, not her, but she hired Holly. Oh, yeah. And Thanks. Holly, we didn't realize, was like an Excel wizard. She's just a genius. Yeah, she's a fucking genius, that girl. And she, Holly's done our complete reporting system. So Cub has its – there's not a company on the planet that reports on a community the way we do. And I doubt as good as we do. Obviously, I'm sure governments are doing it pretty well. But but as a company, we do it incredibly well. Um, and and really, that was Holly. We didn't mm. mean you didn't know how to do that. We are trying to figure out – which just shows you exactly your point. What skills does your team have? Maybe go for a team dinner. And ask people, hey, what are your additional skills that you're not using in your role right now? What, yeah. what else, what other values could you bring us? It's you are, you specifically as well, you are encouraging your team to um, to reach their ultimate potential and um, whatever that might be. Part of that is also that you listen to us, not just on a professional, but also on a personal base. I think something that's really important to touch on as well in regards to leadership is listening to your team and finding out what might be affecting their work. So if someone has an issue outside of work and you can clearly see something's off, giving them the opportunity to voice to you what's going on and keeping the communication open, I think that's also a very important part in order to get the full potential that's from each team That's the part I member. feel like I do all right. That's yeah, you're really I feel good like at that. Extremely well. The one-on-ones yeah, on one yeah. on that you're doing once a month with the whole team. So everyone at Cub meets with Daniel once a month to talk for like around to half an hour. Shit half an hour to an hour um, about mainly actually life rather than work itself. I mean, obviously reviewing what's going on in your role. What do you think can be done better? What can he do to make our roles better? But also what's going on in your personal life. Is there anything you're having troubles with? Is there anything we or the team can help you with or Cup can help you with? Just that general support all around, not yep. just in our work. And, and, and like I said, that happened after Alice voiced her opinion. That's when we started that. And Really, that, that those one-on-ones, monthly one-on-ones, uh, one of the best things we do. And, and yeah, like you said, we focus on the personal life because I don't believe there's work and personal life. I don't. And I don't think anyone at Cub does either. I don't think any of our team does and I don't think any of the members do. It's just life. Works just it works in it, you know. And your life should be good as a whole. And your work should help you with your life. There's, there's, what you, work is a community like your family is a community. And your friendship circles are community. And all of them help you with your life and all of them are willing to help you with your life outside of work. So why shouldn't you work either? It's still a community. And uh, we do that exceptionally well. So so thank you guys. <laughs> but um, I want to talk about well, I want to talk about the cult- culture in general because the team culture at Cub hasn't always been amazing. Right? It took us time to, to build the culture. First thing it took, the first thing we had to do was we had to find the right people because when we had the wrong people, the culture was not good. And the culture was not good because it's not a successful culture. If a company is not having big leaps and bounds of success, right, it, it, it fucks the culture up. No, no unsuccessful culture, everyone's happy. None, doesn't exist. If they are, well, they're there for a reason then. So we needed to find the right people. When we found the right people, we then needed to create the right culture. And we wrote the culture down. We, had, we have our culture sheet. We wrote it down so everyone knows what our culture is. And the point I want to make is that you can create your culture. And it's, it, you can do it now just because you already have a team and it doesn't need to be the start. You can create a new culture. And, and there's one thing I learned through my studies of communities is the importance of culture. And, and, and a way that I remember that importance is that 
why does culture exist? Because there's all sorts of cultures, religious cultures, there's nationality cultures, there's cultures in your sports team, there's cultures at your gym, there's F45 has a culture. Every community has a culture essentially. And why is it there? What does culture do? Why, why do they exist? Culture is there because it allows people to belong. Because you understand the culture. You know how to act and you know how others are going to act. If I'm a – what's your favourite AFL team, Alice? Adelaide Crows. If I, Crows. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm a Crow supporter and I meet someone who's – you, you meet someone in Sydney who's also a Crow supporter, you're going to feel, oh, connected boom. to that person. Yeah, boom. <laughs> People, once they belong, they have ownership. People need to belong. It's a, it's a survival – you've evolved to belong. If you're alone, the lion's going to kill you. If you're with – if I'm with you guys, we might be able to spear that – lion in the eye, right? The lion's not going to fuck around. So we're, we're evolved to belong. We need human beings are, 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 are social creatures. And when you belong to something, we belong together, I now feel a sense of ownership over what we are. I feel ownership over our community. And because I feel ownership over this community, because I am, I am this part of this community, I make up part of this community, therefore I own part of this community, then I want to bring value to this community and I'll go out of my way to bring the value and I'll work harder to bring the value. And you'll hear that in businesses when people speak in the first person about their business, like we just bought this building, we just did this, we just, you know, they, they speak as a we, they don't say, oh, Cub did this, Cub did this, so we did it because they have ownership. If your team's saying we, we just released a new service, we just did this, that means they feel ownership over it. But you know what's really interesting about what you just said? It's not just the team at Cup, it's the members as well. Of course. We managed specifically in the last two years, I would say, to create a culture so bulletproof that each and every one of our members understands it and lives it. We perfectionize the way we communicate our culture and what's important, our values. And um, each of our members understands how important it is to align with that culture. If you want to be a successful member of Cup, um, Cup is about giving and taking, right? So if you don't put in the work, you're not going to get anything out of it. And I feel like that culture understanding has been so so well communicated. Yeah. It has, but how can we relate that to members so <laughs> they can implement it? The way we can is by sharing our culture meeting. Yeah. Right? The culture meeting is is how we is how we enforce our culture and, and stimulate that culture. I don't know if we've ever shared about the culture meeting in the podcast. I'm sure we have, but. But the team catches up every single Thursday. So our Thursday morning meeting, we catch up every morning, but our Thursday morning meeting is our culture meeting. We spend Sydney and Melbourne. Both. All, the entire company. Mm -hmm. We spend five minutes talking about the brand, so where we're going, the vision, the mission, the purpose, which is important because even as the owner, I forget what that is if I don't recite it. But also each member of the team chooses their boss for their week. We, the reason we use the word boss is because our team principles are belief, ownership and support. And that is what in, upholds our culture. And so it obviously spells out boss. And so uh, each member of the team chooses their boss and says why they're their boss. So they basically say, why I'm choosing this person? I'm choosing Alice because of uh, the fact that she took ownership over improving uh, the third uh, core session. She noticed something was wrong with it and she wanted to make it better. And she did that. I didn't even have to hear about it. And look, boom, it's been a massive success. And everyone claps for Alice. So everyone on the team is, is telling stories about other people upholding the culture that's expected of us on this team. And that's something all businesses do. And everyone claps at each person that wins. And at the end of the month, the person who has the most wins, uh, actually at Cub, they spin a wheel of fortune and they can win money or all sorts of things on that. And which is fun. It just makes it a bit of a game. But I think that culture meeting 
where everyone recite, tells stories of people that are upholding the culture of our company is great. And we're not, we're not celebrating, oh, is Anthony, he got the most sales. No, that's, we're not celebrating that. And because if you celebrate based on things like money and things like that, it's excluding some of the, lots of the team who aren't maybe directly in sales. So it's got to be based on a culture and storytelling because story, storytelling is the number one way to uphold culture. That's why cavemen telling stories around the fire, it, it, why the, again at church they'll, re, they'll literally just read stories from a Bible. Stories are the best way to uphold culture. And the culture meeting that we do is a great way to tell those stories. Rant. That was such a rant. Sorry. The culture. Should cut that out and make it like a bit of a thing. You know? <laughs> the culture meeting um, is definitely one of my favorite things about Cub as well or the work at Cub because it's an encouragement of each other, right? So you have this whole team um, one after the other telling beautiful things about someone else from the team. Even if you that we don't get a boss, it is still uplifting because you just see all this support within the company and just makes you proud to be part of it. If you maybe have a shit week and you feel like you didn't achieve anything or something did go wrong or whatever, and then all of a sudden one, two, or even three people say, oh, you're my boss this week because of something you did then or something you did you didn't even realize you were doing. It just lifts you up so much. It gives you a big boost, not just for the day, for the whole week. And that was you today, Laura. Oh, thanks. Daniel missed oh, the meeting today. The culture shoot. meeting. Was this the culture meeting <laughs> yeah. today? I was about to say, do you know what day it is today? No, I didn't. It was Thursday. <laughs> Laura took Otherwise out the it would have been today. There. Did you really? Why? Excuse me? Oh, I'm just curious. I wasn't there. I didn't <laughs> oh. hear. Um, because, well, oh, yeah. Like, why Anthony said something nice. Anthony said that um, the way I created a brand this year and made this the year of the brand of Cub. Definitely. Um, and did anyone vote for me? Nope. None really? for me either. Yeah, you don't deserve it. Tara me. also got a few. Uh, Tara, Tara, Tara's won yeah. mine every week. This yeah. Month. yeah. Um, right. Oh, oh, no, I didn't know it was Thursday. That's the first culture meeting I've ever missed. You said that before, but it's fine. Mm. The thing is, you get away with it because we know you actually don't realize it's Thursday. Oh, no. <laughs> we do have a meeting every morning, though, and I think that's helped create such a strong culture, yeah. regardless of the culture meeting. When COVID hit, we jumped uh, we joined forces with Melbourne or you know we combined all of our meetings to be together and we catch up every morning at 9 a.m yep. and I think since COVID our team has been so much closer and we just we catch up for 10 minutes in the morning talk a bit of crap have a bit of a laugh uh Daniel will ask us what we're grateful for and um we're not talking about Do you guys like work. that that we say what we're grateful yeah, for? Yeah but I've for. never I, for some sometimes we're unprepared yeah, it's just like, like something pressure. you really need to think of but um it's it's great just to talk it's like just catching up at First thing in the morning, talk a bit of crap with everyone, and it's not even always about work. It's no. kind of just social, which again is to is to do with um, bonding. And again, saying what you're grateful for is saying a story from yesterday of something good that happened, and it's enforcing a culture of positivity and, and gratefulness. So, again, which is actually one of our big ones as well. Positivity. I realized through the through the years at Cup, I've been at Cup now for three and a half years almost, and um, one of the biggest things has always been you encouraging positivity at the workplace at all times. I mean, obviously someone has a bad day and it's not feeling well or something like that, that happens. But just encouraging everybody to uplift a positive attitude. I remember in Melbourne, um, I was down in Melbourne a few times during my years at Cup and um, we had one specific team member down there. He's not working with us anymore, but I think that's actually one of the reasons why. He always brought this negative attitude to work and it just influenced everybody else in the team. And you were in the morning meetings back in Melbourne then, you were saying it every day, encouraging positivity, guys. Please make sure if you have something negative going on, share it with someone, but don't drag everybody else down with you. 
And um, encouraging that positivity is a big key, I think. I mean, now with the team that we have, we don't have that problem have to because that. everybody's just so ambitious and driven. And we don't have any weak links in the team, and I think that's no. made, that's also played a huge part of the yeah. amazing culture we've yeah. built because there's no one letting you down and there's no one no one's getting annoyed at anyone for not pulling their weight or taking ownership yeah. over their role so it's very true and and that just comes back to how hard it is to find a good team and and also I didn't hire everyone on the team because I started making mistakes for example when I was trying to hire community managers back in the day I didn't, I'd never been a community manager before it wasn't even a really formal role no one even knew what the fuck the community manager was we didn't even have good services for the community manager to do so <laughs> so um I hope people don't think we're whacked out when we – anyway, that's the, at least they know we're telling the truth. Mm. But when Alice created that role and actually took ownership over it, created it, made it her baby, she was then able to hire someone with the skill sets perfectly suited for that specific role because she had created it. Before then it wasn't created, therefore we would fail when looking for a community manager. Now it's created. You can fill that role with someone who's perfect for that role and, and of course, we've found two perfect people. So – and I, I think a really, really cool point, the roles just need to be defined. And if you haven't got a defined role, you have to find someone that ha- fits in with your culture mm-hmm. and then just let them create a role. Mm. And I, that's, that's the one thing I feel like I've done, I've done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I want to finish up with um, asking both of you something because I think it's kind of the key lesson that I think we should, that people should be taking away from this episode. I want to ask both of you, how could I make your role better what can we do to help you do even better and like your role even more so alice we'll start with you (laughs) um well you've obviously done it you know a huge amount started this year my role is completely transformed and changed and i'm absolutely loving my role um to make it even better i would just say as we keep growing that my role can continue growing and we continue working on new things and services to improve um the business and the members. So what would you think comes after engagement manager, which is where you are now, managing community manager? What do you think is the next step? Ooh. I'm curious. You, there's no right um, or wrong okay. we don't know. Well, We're not there yeah. yet anyway. But um, I mean I would like to step completely out of day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Um, in what, what do you mean? Well, in day-to-day is in like I still look after all the back end of core and, yeah, yeah. you know, all, all of the day-to-day stuff and, and, and working on sort of larger projects and – Like implementing new – Things like the app or implementing like new things like the app and you know being involved in when we open the next clubhouses and and what would you think your title would be then okay well maybe it's head of networking at that point i love the title head of networking it sounds cool it sounds like one of those like you know like we're san francisco like like google has head of search you know like we have head of networking i love that role I think that's awesome and I think that's where you should go. It's more operational, implementing of new services, assisting expansion. Matt, you obviously still have to manage all your community managers um, but that takes away a lot of your um, kind of day-to-day you called it. Um, and But it would then be management of people. You'd have a lot more management of people, which you are very good at now naturally, but you'd have a lot more, more of it because you've got more people to manage. And you'd have a lot more project-based roles because you'd be working on, okay, what's the next innovation we can do for business owners in this country? Head of networking. I like that. Do you like that? Yeah, I like that. Cool. Laura, what do you reckon? How can we make your role better? And again, I want to enforce to the listeners, the reason I'm asking this is because this was a big lesson that I learned from from, uh, both these two legends because they both built their own role. They made it better. And because I started asking, 
Um, and I think we should all ask our team, how can I make your role better? Loretha. Well, I think my, same as Alice, this year has been a huge change to my role. Um, I've been like basically get, getting away from all the little things that I didn't want to do. And I'm now focusing solely on, um, on the content, on the brand, on pro producing actual content for us. Right now, the only thing I can think of which you could make better for me within a day would be uh, get me a new laptop for editing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That didn't we just fucking buy you one though? No, we just took another one that was better than my old one, but we didn't buy it. We had it. I thought we so, bought one. I could have no. sworn I saw the money go out for it. Nope. Okay. No money went out for okay, that so one. Okay, so we're going to buy you a laptop that Buy works. me a new laptop. Um, and otherwise, going with what Alice said with uh, future-wise, what I definitely want to do at some point for Cub is um, become the brand and media manager. That's interesting. So um, we've been talking about this, I think, since I started, that Cub Media is going to be a thing one day where we're going to produce our own TV show, do Whether it be TV show, but we're, we're, yeah. we're going to innovate the business media space, which sucks currently. Correct. And um, I would just love to be the head of content for that. Just creating so much valuable content for not just our members, but for all of Australia and at one point maybe the whole world. And where would you like to see the brand? What, 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 but at that point, what would the brand be? Well, we are already on the way there very, very fast, but definitely the brand for Australia's entrepreneurs and business yeah. owners, the one brand that yeah. when you're an entrepreneur, you want to be part of it. You want to be connected to it because if you're not, are you really an entrepreneur and business uh, owner in Australia? Fuck, boom, we'll stop that <laughs> right there then. I love that fish there. <laughs> Girls, thank you so much. You've... Like you both said, you're the third and the fourth or the second and the fourth or the second and the third, whatever. Third and the fourth. Oh. Definitely in the top five. Whatever. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, you're there and, and the company wouldn't be there without you. Alice, you have created our entire service offering and, in, and basically systematically ensure that every single member is engaged every single month into the club with an engagement that's both enjoyable and valuable to both them and their business. And Laura, you've basically created one of Australia's best business brands uh, from nothing. From, uh, from social media bullying all the way through to not even having a market and still grow. That's branding. And uh, the whole community is incredibly proud and very grateful to have you guys, as am I. Uh, that's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. This was a bit of a different episode. It is our 40th episode, which is why I brought some more of the team on. On the 50th, we're going to do one where the team interview me. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs>